1994. The Beastie Boys told us, y'all, it's sabotage. The Lion King told us, Hakuna Matata. No more worries for the rest of our days. No more worries? Eric Draven's enemies are about to have a bunch of worries as he comes back from the dead to hunt them down. GameZillaMedia.com It's time for the last action podcast! Pop quiz, hot shot! Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need for need for we can kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome to the Last Action Podcast. I am the Sphinx. And with me, as always, because he has to be here, I guess. I don't know. Someone's got to run the soundboard. Yeah, that is that is your sole purpose here. It's LPJ. Yes, it is me. How we are have, you? I'm good. We have a very, very, very special guest here. We sure do. We do indeed. Um, straight out of the GameZilla Media Podcast. The GameZilla Podcast. I guess... Yeah, you're in the podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah, where that's where I hang out. That's me. Yeah, where are you? Nights. Where are you going there, man? I don't know. I don't know. Straight either. out, straight out the podcast. <laughs> the podcast. Yeah. I'm the one that brings the street cred to Gamezilla. That's what it is. <laughs> there it is. It's all. It's the flat build hat. That's what does it. Yeah. Well, what can I say? I'm hip. I know the dad hat's coming back, so my my <laughs> hipness is quickly the, fading. What's a dad hat? It's just a regular hat, but the kids call it a dad hat. Really? Yes, it's like do. a regular curved bill hat. Yeah, just a regular hat. It's the one and only Deadite that is with us, in case you haven't recognized that voice. Hola so. for our Spanish-speaking listeners. <laughs> <laughs> we, got, we, got much, we have a few. Yeah, hola. We got a few. Good stuff. You know, uh, a couple of students were telling me a few days ago, you know, the new term now, along with the dad hat, is slap. Have you have you used slap yet? Uh, like that slap. So, so, it's, so, like, yeah, man, that song really slaps, but yeah. actually, I... Your kids are a little behind the time, or, oh. or, or they're feeding you old information. Uh, the kids actually say it's a bop now. Oh, it's a bop. It's a bop. I'm gonna have to ask that on Monday. Yeah, be like, hey, what's this about a bop? Yeah, be like, oh man, it tracks a bop. <laughs> <laughs> when did we turn into the urban slang podcast? Well, you know, when you brought me on, you're gonna get worthless information that you <laughs> w- you will instantly wish you could purge your brain of. Fair enough, but we're gonna get a lot of good information out of you too. Is what I'm hoping. Mm, I wouldn't count on that. <laughs> mm, I don't know. I feel confident. The movie we are doing today is The Crow. Ah, nice. <laughs> that's, that's more of a falcon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> there we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. Uh, came out May third, nineteen ninety four. Miramax Pictures. Should we go around with our experience first time around with The Crow? Yeah. I can go first because I don't have a whole lot to say. <laughs> go. Um, it was three days ago when I <laughs> realized I needed to watch this movie. It's a movie I've always known. I've known it has had a cult following. I know that people love it. It's never anything that I've been interested in. I, I've shared on here before that you know I just haven't gotten into really horror movies throughout my life, and I know this is kind of a mixture of horror, action, whatever. Um, so I was kind of happy that, you know, I finally was going to get a chance to watch it. So, but this is, this was my first time. So that's me. All All right. right. Got that crow cherry from you. There you go. So I saw this movie for the first time. I want to say I was probably 18 or 19 years old. Uh, so it was something that like, I went to family video to rent a DVD to take home and watch just because 
it was something I've always, it was always interesting to me. And I think uh, LPJ and I will talk about maybe my childhood interest in the character of the crow later on. Um, but I just, I never saw the movie. And uh, I remember when I was 18, just sitting down and I, I know for sure that I watched it in my room on like my 15 inch iMac or whatever it was <laughs> like with the DVD slot, popped it in and just sat there and watched it. And I was it just hit a chord with me when I was, you know, 18, 19, whatever it was, you know, mm-hmm. I, uh, at the time also hosted a death metal radio show and was <laughs> super into horror movies. So like a sort of a, a gothic action movie, I was like, yes, this is kind of silly, but it's brooding. I'm still young and have angst. I'm still brooding. It, it, it was good. Perfect. LPJ. I saw this movie in the theater when it came out, not like opening night, but I did see it in the theater. Granted, I was 14 at the time, mm-hmm. um, so I got in somehow. <laughs> I was going to say, it was rated R. It wasn't PG-13. Yeah. No, 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 I got in. I mean, I probably saw it like at the Terrace or something. Yeah, well, they didn't care how old you were. Were they, were they only were they only cared when we went and saw Rumble in the Bronx? I was gonna say he probably needed his mom to escort him across Plymouth Road so he could get to the terrace. <laughs> Shut we, up. We, we've already determined that in the past. It's not funny. Uh, and then I, I went back and I watched it. I had rented it and watched it again when it came out on VHS. I bought a copy as soon as I got a DVD player. It's one of the first movies I ever bought. Uh, I had the soundtrack. I mean, I was big into this movie. Not so much where I'm going to walk around the school dressed in chainmail like a lot of the goth kids did at the time. Mm. Um, but I love this movie just right from the get go uh, when it came out. And um, yeah, I, I, I've seen it a bunch of times. And I was really drawn to the fact that it was, you know, one of the things that drew me to it is it takes place on Devil's Night, which is a big thing here. Well, it was a big thing here in, in Michigan. Now called Angels Night. Now called Angels Night. It's really not what it used to be at all. No. So, no. Well, and when this movie was made, the context was still very much there. Now, this was something that I didn't realize until I want to say it was sometime earlier this summer while I was gaming with, you know, one of our friends online who who lives out of state and he was like, tell me about Devil's Night. I was like, what do you mean tell you about Devil's Night? He goes, yeah, we don't have Devil's Night here. I go, what are you <laughs> talking about? And so it wasn't until yeah. mm-hmm. that and I started researching and realized that, you know, Mischief Night, as some people call the night before Halloween where kids go out and do pranks, only in the Detroit area is it referred to as Devil's Night. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it is kind of cool that the movie has a, a strong local tie, despite not looking like it. No. <laughs> right? I was going to say, I don't know how strong it is, because for, for a while, like, I just because of the fact that it was talking about Devil's Night that I realized, okay, this must be set here in Detroit, because you're right, like, there's no other reference whatsoever in this film. There's two more. Are there? Because even like the cop car doesn't say Detroit, um, and there's I mean the the background the scenes aren't Detroit mm-hmm. in any way. So I'm curious what what are they? I might have missed them. Uh, well, the the when we get into talking maybe a little bit more about the scenes in the movie, there is one. Early, it's like the first scene in a bar where all of the you know antagonists are all in the bar. All in the bar, and one of them calls the other one a, a group of Motor City maniacs or something oh, like that. Right. There's that reference, and then another scene in a bar later on, they have a neon Stroh's sign, which yeah, at the time Stroh's right. was the prominent Detroit beer before they stopped making it here. You're right, I did catch. So th- those. those were the two things that really stood out to me. That sort of you know was the wink at Detroit. I think they mentioned the Tigers once too. Okay. Did they? I didn't yeah. catch that. They were really fast when they, like the Strohs, yeah. well, I think it was above the jukebox, if I remember. It was like a really quick so. image of it. Now, do you guys know then, if the comic this is based off of is based in Detroit or not? Yeah, the guy that wrote the comic is from Detroit. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. Yep, so this is all based on, yeah, the, the guy that wrote this is all is from, from here. Um, 
So I, <clears throat> we were talking about this before the podcast. I specifically asked you to be on this particular episode. So I, normally we let the guests pick the movie. Yeah, because we had Testonomics was on, uh, you know, last week, a couple, you know, a while ago, and he uh, he chose Boondock Saints because it's sure. one of his favorite movies, and, and other people have. And then I was talking with Grimlock from Gamezilla, and he's like, "You're going to be on the Crow episode." And I'm like, "Yeah, I guess." And then he was like, "Do you like the Crow that much?" I go, "I saw it once. It was cool, you know." <laughs> so I, I did think it was a little little bit interesting. So I brought you on. I brought you on. I was kind of strategic about this. For this movie has an interesting impact. In a couple senses. One, this is our Halloween special. We're going to be releasing this episode. This episode, you know, is is out. Is it Devil's Night today? Yeah, I believe it's Devil's Night today. So happy Devil's Night, everybody. Ooh. <laughs> uh, and, How apropos. Yeah. What, and you're a big horror fan. the bone to the ground. <laughs> yeah, well, and you're a big horror fan. Absolutely. And uh, there's really not a lot of horror action films. No, uh, no. Very, very few. Very few. Most are just straight up horror films, you know, with some kind of supernatural element to it. Not that this isn't a horror film with a supernatural element to it. It's more of an action horror film, I guess. As close as you can call it. Um, and then another reason why I brought this up is you're also a big wrestling fan. Huge wrestling fan. And I was a big fan of wrestling at the time that the particular wrestler we're going to talk about was very prominent. Absolutely. Um, And that wrestler is Sting. He's a man called Sting. And I want to let you take it away. Man called Sting. So... He's got the spear, yeah, and we could hear well, the we could hear the slurp and the. Well, yeah, we were talking about sting. Yeah, drink a sting, yeah, yeah, yeah. Drink one for the stinger. He had to get so, ready. So, Sting was in World Championship Wrestling, which was the rival to what people now know today as WWE. At the time, it was WWF. Sting was the number one wrestler for this rival company based out of the South. Uh, you you could think of Sting as. Uh, WCW's version of Hulk Hogan at the time, or you could think of Sting as a 1990s John Cena, ultimate good guy, smiles on his faces, high fives the kids. Everyone loves Sting. And eventually it came to a point in in Sting's career where he had to transition. The storyline was written where he was transitioning to an anti-hero, a character that was in conflict because Hulk Hogan was running the evil new world order of wrestling and it, it, they were laying waste to WCW and WCW need a savior. And that pushed to a transition where Sting had to change his character. He couldn't be smiles anymore. He was now going to be mysterious and brooding. And what ended up happening is he just stole the character of the crow and translated <laughs> that into wrestling. Just straight up stole it. Now here is the pop quiz I, I prepared. Oh, let, let, go ahead. Let, let's, let's 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 hit it. Chime me the tune. Well, my apologies. Oh shit, I just lost. What are you <laughs> doing, <laughs> Alpha? I got it. I, no, I got I got it. No, you don't. I got it. No, you don't. You are the no, worst. No, I know the computer's frozen. You are the Bob worst. Bob Quiz hot <laughs> shot. <laughs> I want the real thing. If I'm not gonna get the real thing, it's fine. Uh, no, no, you're it's gonna not get fine. What did you do, LPJ? No, hold on, now it's disappeared. So no, you're getting it. <sighs> no, you're getting it now. You, Look, it's right here. You are so it's right here. Brutal. I don't know what happened to it. I'm sorry. God, you're fired. You know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's officially played. So now I can ask my pop quiz question. So to steal the crow character. And translate over to wrestling was not Sting's idea. Oh, it wasn't. So here's my pop quiz question. What other 
prominent 1990s professional wrestler good. gave the idea to Sting. I, If you'd like clues, I can give you some clues. No, give me a minute here. Can I ask for a clue? I'm not sure how much it would help you. <laughs> I, I will say, uh, actually, I had a brief kay. period of enjoying wrestling, and it was also right around the WCW Monday Night yeah. Nitro days. All right, give your clue. Okay. Uh, clues are... Um, was n- the, the the big clue uh, never a world heavyweight champion in any company? And it, well, can I ask you a big question? Two. Okay, were they part of the NWO? Yes. I'm gonna go with Kevin Nash. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, if he's Nash ever a- has he won it before. I don't know. Kevin Nash, multi-time world title yes. in WCW and WWF. Well, crap. Right. Who wasn't? What about his buddy, Razor Ramon? Or was it Razor? Did I nail it? It was Scott Hall. Nice. Who, it was like, look at that. I got hey, it. Stop hey. slapping me. Hey, I got it. He got it. He I got, got it. He got yeah. the pop quiz. I know. Hey, I got the pop quiz. He, he was, it was like, about wrestling. He was like, yo, Stinger. You know, like, <laughs> have you seen this movie, yo. The Crow? Maybe you could do that. <laughs> <laughs> and so Sting went and watched The did Crow. He have, did he have the toothpick I, in his I mouth? I assume when he, he said always it? did. Yeah. Real quick side note just three weeks ago, I gave Scott Hall a fist bump in real life. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we, we encountered each other, and, and we embraced through a fist bump, and I was like, man, I feel like a bad guy now. It felt good. That's cool. But, so so from there, <laughs> he, he went and, and took the character, and it wasn't until my rewatch of this movie, just uh, you know to prep for this show, that I realized how much even the mannerisms of Sting, the storytelling that they did with that character was directly from The Crow. I remember always thinking it was ridiculous when you have like the 30 people that were in the New World Order in the ring, you have Sting drop down from the ceiling on a cable and just him and a bat eliminate 30 other people. Like, how could they not stop him? And then I watched The Crow and you have The Crow Mm -hmm. just wreck an entire room full of people and you're like, oh... They really just did the the wrestling equivalent of the crow. Sting brought on a lot of the mannerisms, the characteristics. So there's parts where you know in the movie the crow's laughing and mm-hmm. and bringing some of the comedy into it. You saw that with aspects of Sting's character as he portrayed the crow. But from what I remember, Sting never talked though, did he? Well, so the what happened is all of a sudden Sting shows back up in th- the crow makeup. This guy went from a blonde flat top now mm-hmm. has he's growing out dark black hair he has the exact crow makeup on mm-hmm. uh which eventually evolved over time to be a little more original uh trench coat he at times was carrying a vulture <laughs> and <laughs> hanging out vulture. in the rafters well, it couldn't be a crow because yeah. then you'd get sued, sued. I, I can't believe they didn't get sued <laughs> i really don't understand how that didn't happen but he he went a whole year without saying anything without being in the ring and wrestling an entire year of this story of is Sting a good guy? Is Sting a bad guy? Is he going to save us? Mm-hmm. And then after you know the silence was broke, he came back and and stole the world championship back from Hulk Hogan at Starcade 1997. I believe it was 1997. Uh, then all of a sudden, you know, everyone knew Sting was a good guy. He did the right thing. And then you know he started talking and showing more of that personality. But there was a solid year, no talking, hanging out in the rafters, whipping ass with a baseball bat. Nice. And that, that was my, he, Sting was like my favorite wrestler when I was a kid. I went to Sting for Halloween in 1998. So you went as the crow. 1999. <laughs> I did. Oh, but I read, you know, Wolfpack, Red Face playing right, Sting. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. But like, that's how, so that's one of the reasons I did watch, eventually watch the crow is because how much I love the character Sting. And it, it's crazy to see that this man 
made the latter part of his career. Like, would Sting's career have continued? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But he made it off stealing just a movie character and playing them in wrestling. Only only in, in the realm of wrestling could you just steal a character from a movie and just make millions of dollars on it and not have repercussions. When did Sting retire from wrestling? 2015, just, yeah, just recently. Yeah. Okay. Yep. He made he's he he wrestled like three or four WWE matches, you know, in okay. the last couple of years, and then he uh, got a neck injury. Yeah, I think it was October of 2015. It was like I think I'm done now. Got it. But that, but this that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this movie. That's a great story. Is not only that, but this is a relatively small movie. I mean, it it, it got. I mean, it did well. Yeah, um, but there's a lot of reasons why I think they right. kind of helped that. Yeah. <clears throat> but this movie was super influential in weird ways. Like, it was influential in terms of wrestling, but also in terms of propagating the, the, the rebirth of the goth movement. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of, the, one of the big touchstones of the rebirth of the goth movement in the mid-90s. So, like, it, it, was, it got so big to the point where when I was a freshman in high school, the parents of the seniors had to have a meeting with the principal. They had this big this big town hall meeting of mm-hmm. all three of the main schools here about vampirism <laughs> and how vampirism was like running rampant in the school somehow. It was just this weird like yeah. People were dressing up in chainmail and wearing all kinds of like like they all looked like darker versions of Jeff Hardy. <laughs> Literally, they all everybody dressed like dark Whoa. versions of Jeff Hardy. Like the the store hot topic became popular because of the goth movement yeah. and this particular movie. You know, that brings up a really interesting point for me. I, I'm gonna go ahead and say it now. So, like that's going on when you're in high school. You and I are, are quite a few years different apart. And so, like, I have very little connection to this movie. And and Dada, you and I are actually a lot closer in age, but because you had that wrestling refle- reference, I think that got you more into this movie because this movie has done nothing for me whatsoever. Like this, again, I mentioned too, like horror movies aren't my thing either. And and by finally watching this movie, I'm like, this this is not my flick, not my interest. Like I can't connect with the goths. That's not me. Like it, and, and and even by the time I was in high school, I think a lot of that had been very well marginalized. So I think it's just one of those examples that we've talked about in other movies like Boondock Saints that um, you know, like it's the time when the film hits you at certain times. And this is one that I think I was just at an age that it was never going to hit me unless I had that wrestling ref- reference. Which I mean, I knew who Sting was. I had no idea it was related to the Crow until I watched it, and I'm like, this guy looks like the wrestler Sting. And then you just shared all that information that I didn't know that it was, you know, that there's that much history to it. So I, I kid you not. At, at my wife Al knew nothing about the Crow before we watched it the other night. I yeah. sent her like, hey, can we watch the Crow tonight? And she's like, yeah, sure, whatever you want. And I sent her a picture. Of of the crow, and I was like, oh wait! I go, this is the character from the movie. This is not Sting because my wife knows who Sting is. Okay, you know it, she watches a lot of wrestling with me because she's yeah. kind to me. You know? <laughs> you know I mean? so, so like she knows, she knows. And and I was and then I was like, I'll explain later. You know, like because like if you look at it, her brain would instantly know. Oh, that's Sting. That's cool. We're watching a movie with Sting, and I had to explain. Mm-hmm. No, it's kind of weirdly the other way around. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you're right. And. First of all, the whole goth thing really died down by the time I was a senior. Like it was almost gone by then. But through high school, it sounds like it it was. Yeah, it was big. Absolutely. And a lot of that had to do with 
the music. The music in this is all 90s alternative and industrial, which was huge. You know, like yeah, your Nine Inch Nails and sure, yeah, you know, Rage Against the Machine, Nine Inch Nails, Stone Temple Pilots, which we're gonna we're gonna play a little bit in a minute here. That was right around the time Manson was coming up and big. Yeah, yep. good call, good call. Mm-hmm. Um, our director is Alex Proyas, and um, he doesn't have a very big list of movies that he's done. But his movies are known. Uh, there's well, it looks like LPJ. What do you guys say? Yeah, he's um, he's kind of one of those under the radar, very well respected directors because he has a very strong point of view. If you look yeah. at a movie like this, it has a very it, it looks like an Alex Proyas movie. His next movie, Dark City, very much looks like an Alex Proyas movie. It's a lot. It's dark like this. It's very gothic like this is, uh, and it's a very tight, well written story. Um, his next movie after that was, I think, iRobot. Yeah, which I actually, I know that movie is not well-liked. I love iRobot. Yeah, I thought it was good, too, I, but I it doesn't look anything like what, what his normal movies does. No. And I don't even think he did. He didn't do much after that. Knowing and Gods of Egypt, which just came out a year or two ago. That's right. Which which has, um, what's his name, Lannister in it. Jamie Lannister. Yeah. The, the, he's, he's like the main guy in there. Yep. I have a pop quiz for you. Oh, you do? I do. Let's see well, if for I both can, of you. Let's see if I can get it right this time. Pop quiz, hot shot. There it is. What nationality is Alex Proyas? Is he Mexican? Nope. Is he Hungarian? Nope. <laughs> That's all I got. He is a Greek from oh, oh. Egypt. Well, there you go. They have a special term. They are Alexandrian. Because Alexandria is a very famous Greek city that existed for a really long time in Egypt, and it's just right across from the Mediterranean. So he is of a very small clan of Greeks that exist in Egypt just in that city. So he is Alexandrian, and his name is Alex, too. Does that make you happy? It did make me a little happy, because I am Greek, if case that hasn't been established yet in this podcast, but I'm pretty sure it has. So he moved to Sydney when he was three. But what was that, LPJ? I said you've said that many times. I don't think I have, but whatever. Okay. This film is produced by Jeff Most and Edward Pressman. Pop quiz, hot shot. Oh, man. Let's keep it going. Edward R. Pressman is the son of a famous father. What is his father famous for? Crap, I know I glanced at it when I was doing my research, but I can't remember. I feel like it's like an invention, maybe? Kind of. Any idea? Um, His father <laughs> uh, actually invented the uh, transistor that was used in creating, uh, sm- uh, shrinking the transistor size for uh, transistor radios, which were popular in the 1950s. Very... Very not close. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. Thank you. <laughs> His father, Jack Pressman, is known as the King of Marbles, and he founded the Pressman Toy Company. So Pressman... I think I literally heard crickets just right? a moment well, ago. Well, I'm getting to that. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. They're also the innovators of licensed games. So they were the first people to take oh. a to take a, a known brand and license it into other things like uh, Little Orphan Annie and Dick Tracy and they were the first people to license games for Disney. Interesting. 
Not bad. I kind of like that pop quiz. Pressman used to be a much bigger deal, like like Mattel and, and Hasbro, which I guess Mattel is Hasbro now. But but the point is, and Milton Bradley, but they used to be a bigger <laughs> thing. Edward Pressman, who we're really talking about <laughs> <My> here. <apologies. laughs> he actually has a hell of a repertoire as well. He's done over 100 movies mm-hmm. in production, dating all the way back to 1969. Uh, das Boot, Conan the Barbarian, Wall Street, Street Fighter, Judge Dredd. He's got quite a list of good action movies and other movies as well that he has been a part of. Uh, I, it might be one of the largest lists of movies I've seen one person involved in. I just hugely influential. Yeah, we're going to run into him probably a couple times. Yeah. Uh, the movie, even though it is based on a 1989 comic book from James O'Barr, which I guess LPJ, before I move forward on it, do you know anything further about James Obar or anything like that? I know you're, you're a comic book guy. Do you know anything more no, about the crow? He's from, he's from Detroit. He is. Um, he was an orphan from Detroit. Right. And it's based on, I think it's based on an experience that he had. Okay. Uh, they wrote the character. Okay. I didn't know if you knew more. No, I, I don't know anymore with that. Okay. Uh, Shaw and Shirley, they are actually more in the horror genre than the action movie genre. So so David Shaw did like Critters 3 and 4. I've never seen the Critters franchise. <laughs> they're bananas. I, yeah. I was going to say, Dad, have like, you seen them? They're, they're, they're fun, but not great. Yeah, they're like, okay. it's like watching Puppet Master. Gotcha. He did one of the Texas Chainsaw Massacres, Masters of Horror, and then John Shirley is credited for being a movie writer and novelist for a genre i'd never heard of until i looked it up horror cyberpunk sci-fi all right horror hold on horror cyberpunk sci-fi yes so i'm trying to guess what movie that would be i don't know <laughs> i didn't know i didn't recognize any of his movies all right go ahead i i didn't write them down even i, I just <laughs> i just went out wow. didn't know all right so i could have made up anything there you really could have right all that I got from this definition is it's supposed to be along the way of low-life, high-tech people. That That's apparently what horror, cyberpunk, sci-fi characters are. They're low-lifers, but are also high-tech. But I feel like The Crow is not high-tech. And he's not really low-life either. I mean, he's just, you know, he was a musician and died. But I mean, his his, really his apartment looked like a heroin den. Yeah, you're right. That's very true. That was the, the only movie. aspect of Detroit that got right. Yeah, it looked like a heroin <laughs> den on fire. Yeah, yeah that's a, that's a fair call. So yeah, I, if, if there's anyone on the Discord or whatnot that can help us out on what horror <laughs> if our cyber, no, not please. <laughs> I was let us know how accurate the LP, movie was. LP. <laughs> Hey, and people people that like intravenous drugs also need podcasts to listen to. Of course they do. You know, I mean, not really listen. It's more like a background music. If you would like to share your uses with heroin in yeah. ways that you can never mind. All right. Last Action Podcast. A podcast to get high to. <laughs> exactly. Oh, wow. I was trying to say if there was anyone out there that could help us out on horror, cyberpunk, sci-fi, not heroin, LPJ, that would be great. But I'm trying to guess who that would be. I don't. Uh, I don't know. Maybe someone out there. All right, let's run it's through our be Craig just secretly. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, <laughs> As a matter of fact, he's gonna have like some DVDs you can borrow. I, I really hope he is the one that comes out first. Um, let's go through our cast because this is actually gonna be a long conversation as well. I I I think this is why I knew the Crow okay. uh, more than anything else. 
Uh, our main character is the actor Brandon Lee, who plays Eric Draven, the crow. Mm-hmm. Um, he is famously it, the son of Bruce Lee. He is the famous son of Bruce Lee, but he famously, he died filming this movie. There was an accident um, in one of the shooting scenes. Um, I mean, I can give the full detail. It, it, it's a little complicated. They were using a gun for a previous scene. They needed to show that the gun was being loaded with like actual bullets. And they, when they decided to switch it back out, they, one of the bullets got lodged in the gun. And I guess because they were rushing to get the film done, they, when they went to put the blanks in, the blanks still have gunpowder in them to make the, the noise and effect of a gun going off. And so when they started filming, there was enough gunpowder in there that it was able to lodge the bullet out of the gun and it, it shot him. Sort of. That's, sort yeah, of. I mean, so, it, it was kind of complicated. but <clears throat> Okay, so the, the scene that they have, they, they're using a revolver. And if you load blanks into a revolver, you can see that there's no bullet in the casing. It's just a casing that has the blasting cap at the end filled with gunpowder. Yeah. So that when you shoot the gun, it makes the noise, but nothing actually comes out of it. Because there's nothing, there's no projectile, no bullet. But when you load a revolver, you have to have a bullet in it, otherwise it doesn't look right. So they use these things called dummy cartridges. Dummy cartridges still have the blasting cap on the back, but they don't have any... Um, they don't have any gunpowder in them, and they've got the bullet. What normally happens is uh, when you're using a dummy cartridge, you remove the firing pin. That's the little, there's a little pin on the inside of the bullet that actually, that the hammer strikes that causes the blasting cap to go off, which ignites the gunpowder, which moves the projectile. The blasting cap has enough force in it to actually, dis- to actually fire the bullet a little bit, but it's not going to escape the barrel. It's going to get lodged in the barrel. And uh, so when they switched out for the blanks, the blanks at that point have gunpowder in them, but no bullet. Well, the bullet's lodged in the barrel, so when he went to fire the blank, the gunpowder ignited with enough force to shoot the barrel, shoot the, the bullet that was in there uh, out, and it hit Brandon Lee in the stomach yeah. in, in th- through several major organs, and he ended up bleeding out a few hours later at the hospital. Um the I'm, reason why I'm all this sure happened, I, I pretty roughly got that right, but yeah, I guess I was a little more technical. The science guy, the science <laughs> yeah. for us, right? I mean, I thought I did a pretty good job explaining it. But, but a lot okay. of the reason why this happened is the ending of the film, the the last bits of production. It of the was film near the end. Was rushed, happened. and they were running out of money, so they ended up sending the prop master home, and the person that was left was just like an associate grip. It was just somebody who happened to be there who didn't know all the gun safety rules. This movie actually ended up rewriting because of this movie. They rewrote a lot of the gun safety rules that go into play for motion pictures and now there's this could never happen again because there's so many yeah. different um, uh, um, uh, uh, protection rules and protections yeah. in place to prevent this from happening yeah and, and like I was trying to say like this was near the end of filming so because there was a big conversation like do we release this like the guy's dead you know like is, is this the right thing to do you know it's a really deep conversation about whether or not it would even feel right to do that and i think that it's actually because of his death that it became a lot more successful than than it might have otherwise been so and and they devote the movie to him at the end as well and his fiance Mm -hmm. in real life he was actually going to get married just like in the film they were going to get married which i wonder if that was an 
I wonder if like that's kind of eerie. Like I wonder if that was actually like maybe an adjustment in the film or if that's just like a crazy coincidence that like in the movie and in real life he had a fiance and they were going to get married type of deal. People get engaged. Yeah. It happens. It does. Well, and and that the beginning of the movie, all the flashback stuff, mm-hmm. is the stuff that was rewritten. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so all might... the the actual, f- yeah, anything with the crow in it, it was already filmed. Okay. It's the stuff with him as just Eric Draven in the beginning. That's what was all rewritten. That's why they did it as flashbacks, and why um, uh, that part was all in black and white, is so that they didn't have mm. to worry about changing and you don't really see his face when he's getting thrown out the window like the way they shoot it it, it's one of those things where they use the jaws method where less is more they're not showing you the violence so you have to interpret it with your mind it actually works out i think to the benefit in a lot of way because you see so much violence in other parts of the film it actually sets the tone for the movie actually in an interesting way that could have been very different if they showed the actual murder scene they were going to shoot. And, and you see the violence of, of his fiance. Like they're able to show a lot of that. So you can also get an idea of why he's so angry because mm-hmm. it's, it's more than that they just murder her. Like they rape her as well. So since they weren't able to show him, they can show you how brutally beaten, raped, and all that you know she had, which, mm-hmm. which also kind of adds mm-hmm. on to his story of, hey, I got a revenge against all these guys. Uh, Michael Wincott is our antagonist. He's he's top dollar, which I never realized that was his name throughout the whole film. Did they make mention of I it? I just looked. So. I had to look it up. Yeah, I don't recall that. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. but he is known as top dollar. He I remember him from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, he is also which which Dada, you might know this. He was in the Doors. He's Phil Rothschild, oh. so he plays the producer. You know the producer. You know of the I, th- that's where I was recognizing him from because I, yeah. I, I I rewatched that six months ago or something like that. <laughs> Love that movie. Yeah. So he's in Born on the Fourth of July as well. He's in Alien Resurrection, Hitchcock, Ghost in the Shell, the the newer one with um, Scarlett Johansson. He's always playing a villain. It's his face, right? He just has it's that his voice and his, his voice. His voice is awesome. It is great. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'd be curious to look up his IMDb just to look at his voice work because I would, I would hope he's done some voice work. Because I'm really happy you bring that up yeah. because for Gamezilla, he actually was the prophet of truth in Halo Two. Oh, so he that's actually cool. has, and there was a couple other video games he's done voiceover for as well. I'm not huge into, you know total gaming so yeah. i didn't recognize the other games that he's done but i think he had like eight or nine video games he was a voice for That's so cool yeah good call there um we have ernie hudson yes this is the part i was excited about yeah good old winston <laughs> man as soon as that first scene hits i'm, I'm like pushing my wife i'm like look <laughs> it's the best cop ever and she's like what are you talking about I was like he can also fight ghosts and she's like oh okay you know because i'm such a ghostbusters nerd so anytime ernie hudson just pops up in something i just i just geek hard just because he's the obscure ghostbuster <laughs> i love him one. i yeah, love him he he's sergeant albrecht which i have another pop quiz for you oh i'm sorry yeah yeah no, make yep, sure yep. you get this oh, okay. hot shot where is Ernie Hudson from? Dearborn, Michigan. No, but you do know who is from Dearborn, <laughs> Michigan. An old friend of ours from a few episodes ago. Man, come on, get happy. It is <laughs> Wilford Brimley. Yeah. I got Ow. diabetes. Uh, he went to high school at one of the high schools in Dearborn, <laughs> Michigan. Fun, fun Wilford Brimley fact. So glad we brought that up. 
Yep, Wilford Brimley. I, I mean, got he's di- done things he shouldn't do. I got diabetes, and now I see Sting running around my town <laughs> killing people. <laughs> Going back to Ernie Hudson. <laughs> the, con- the way you tried to connect that back was a lie. Wilford Brimley was not in the crowd. You're like, I see Sting murdering people in my town. That didn't happen. I just took a whole bunch of insulin and I think I see, <laughs> insulin. I think I see a ghost coming after me. I think my time has come. You need to do it in his French accent, though. <laughs> This is irritating. I can't do it again. Why is this coming uh, back to haunt me? <laughs> it is totally haunting you and everyone else. Uh. Ernie Hudson is from Benton Harbor, Michigan. I knew that. I knew it was somewhere, yeah. um, somewhere nearby. And he went to school at Wayne State in downtown oh, I d- Detroit. I didn't know that. Yeah, so I was very excited to see that. I was just in Benton Harbor a couple weeks ago. I could have paid tribute to Ernie. What were you doing there? Uh, I, was, <laughs> I was in St. Joseph. Were you chasing ghosts? I was in St. Joseph, and we had to. Uh, we stopped uh, on. Right. On our way back from All In, and uh, we got some pizza. And we went swimming. We met up with Grim and uh, Jade. And oh, okay. You know, I was gonna that. say, from what I've heard about Benton Harbor, it's not the place people go. Nah, but I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been worse places. <laughs> Fair enough. Are, are we boring you? Was it Wilford Brimley that we brought back? LPJ, that's not great. That, <laughs> we are talking about Ernie it. Hudson, <laughs> and you, you're not gonna cut me off from talking about Ernie. <laughs> Epic clash here. Is it is it Ernie or is it Wilfred? All right, I, I promise I'm done. I promise. All right, Rochelle Davis is Sarah. See now you're getting uh, Rochelle Davis is Sarah, who is the little girl who is annoying as shit in this movie. In my she opinion, she really was kind of annoying. In this. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> But she, you know, she sort of at points had like a really deep voice for a little girl, <laughs> and I was like, I, I was like, oh, like I was like, little girl, I was like, wait, is that a little boy? No, a little girl. Like it was like really threw me off yeah. just because of the sound of her voice. It was bizarre. She but, was know, like one of the Doyle kids from Billy Madison. A <laughs> <laughs> Doyle rules thing. All right. Anyway, um, are we ready to get through this thing? Go through the plot a little bit. I don't know if we have to. How much time we got? How are we doing? We doing okay here? Oh, yeah. we do have our song too. I totally forgot. Yeah, the other big thing was there's a the album was really big for this. Um, it is like we mentioned. You know, this is our this is core middle '90s alt rock music we got going on here. You know, we mentioned a couple of people on the soundtrack: Rage Against the Machine, Nine Inch Nails. We've got Big Empty here that we're going to play a quick sample from from Stone Temple Pilots. Rip uh, Scott Wheeler. <laughs> I do love me 
some hit song Stone Temple Pilots. They have a lot of hit and miss stuff, but Big Empty is one of my favorite songs, along with Plush. It's yep. super good. Now, LPJ and I did, actually all three of us in a group conversation earlier today, uh, <laughs> joked about things you'd mispronounce. Damn it, you caught it. Scott Weiland, uh, not Scott Whelan. I know. <laughs> Damn it. As soon as I said it, I saw you give me the look. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, I, was, like, I was no, for it. no, you got me. All right. Uh, What's interesting about this song is they were this album came out before their album with this song on it before the Stone Temple Pilots album? Did it really? Yes. Yeah, they released it. They released this on here as a preview for their album coming out. This is '94. Yeah, I'm trying to think which one it would have been. Purple. Oh, all right. Well, now, thank, thank you for giving it away. I was con- it, it time wise in the episode it doesn't make sense, but I was going to pop quiz you guys about this song, but we don't need to because I'm just gonna I'm just gonna no sh- no. Yeah, he's gonna hit it. Quiz hot shot. Pop quiz. Hot you got two, motherfucker. Okay. Hey, language. <laughs> Why was this song in the soundtrack? I had to reframe my question because <laughs> context wise. Fair enough. Um, I know that this wasn't their first choice. I'm trying to think what their first choice was now, though. Yes, you're you're onto something with that. Um, crap, I don't know. What was their first choice? I don't remember now. Wasn't their first? Was it that Brandon Lee was actually going to sing or something? No, no, it was doesn't Stone Temple Pilots' first choice. Correct. They they, they had a different song picked out. They had a different song picked out. I don't recall the exact name of the song, but it was under the context of Die Young or, you know, it had Uh, had something to do with Dying Young. And they were like, ah, we got to pick a different song from your guys' album to put in. Uh, And the that song was eventually released in a re-release of that Stone Temple Pilot Pilot. Falling apart. Yeah. Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah. STP album. Um, it was in a re-release, like a deluxe edition, like 10th anniversary or something like that. It okay. wasn't. So that, so that song eventually came out, but because of the context of it dying, you know, as a die yeah. young sort of theme song, they were like, let's put something else in to keep it appropriate for yeah. the All tragedy right. of the movie. Fair enough. All right. Going through the film here. I mean, there it's not a ton of plot. It, it, is, it is a total revenge flick here. Um, the, the movie starts off, you know, we, we kind of already mentioned it a little bit. It, it's flashbacks of Craven and his fiance Who? getting Draven, 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 Draven the hunter <laughs> from Spider-Man. Yes. Draven. Wes Craven, <laughs> creator of Screaming Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> Teaming up to fight. Uh, Who do you fight? Anyway. John Carpenter. There you go. <laughs> John Carpenter. Because John Carpenter raped his wife? That's <laughs> no, terrible. No. What are you doing? I just want to be the famous horror director, okay? Just, oh, God. You know what? There was a flashback in the beginning of the movie <laughs> where Draven and his fiance get murdered. <laughs> there it is. There's the reference. And... um. You know, it's uh, the T-Birds was the, the, the gang and, and his leaders that, that did this, which I feel like T-Birds is like a chick name for like your little group. Well, or, they drove around in a T-Bird. Yeah, they did. A souped up T-Bird. Which is a Ford car here in Detroit. So there you go. Well, it's a Ford car everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> they, they sell them in other places, too. If you've reached it now. <laughs> it, it always happens at some point. You reach it, too. This is great. <clears throat> Nonetheless... Um, this occurs, he, they're buried, they're dead, it's over, Sarah's all crying because they were kind of like their, her adoptive parents, I guess you could say. Sarah the um, little girl. Sarah the little girl, yeah. Because mom, we find out later, is like a heroin addict that's having sex with a bunch of random guys, too. 
Um, Ernie Hudson's there, Sergeant Albrecht, Albrecht. And, you know, he is at the hospital the entire time with the fiance, you know, to see that she ends up dying. And so it is one year later. It's the day before Devil's Night, actually. Well, it's not exactly one year later. It's a, it's, it's like 364 with, days later. It's the, the murder took place on Devil's Night because they were going to get married on Halloween. And it's the day before Devil's Night that he is resurrected from I the dead. I thought it was a couple days before. No, I think it's just one. Because he kills three of the guys the first night and then has to get the other two the next night. Okay. I think three days, Pat. I think you get yeah. night before Devil's Night and Halloween. Within yeah, this you're movie. right. You're yeah. right. Okay. And so, yeah, uh, Draven wakes up from the dead. There's, there's this, this theme throughout the film of a crow. Right, I I can't remember some of the specific details about it. I guess I didn't write it down. Well, the crow, it, the crow is like his spiritual link to the world. Yeah, yeah, and so like it is his goal. He puts on the makeup, as we've mentioned, looks like Sting or a band member from Kiss. You can go either way. <laughs> <laughs> that was the part of of the movie where my wife was like, "Why is he putting the makeup on?" I was like, "I don't know to look spooky, like hide his face from people." I don't know. There's no context whatsoever. No. It's just this guy like being emotional alone in his abandoned apartment. He finds his fiance's old makeup that's been sitting there for years. Like, I'm just gonna put this makeup on and be spooky. Yeah. Well, no, because he sees the he sees the mask. He sees the yeah. uh, tragedy mask. I guess. Sure. He. It um, seemed like a stretch. Yeah, I thought yeah, so. Right, fine, it was a stretch. I thought so. But uh, you're right. You're right. But it's I bring all- I bring the kiss reference too because at the pawn shop he <laughs> he decides to take the guitar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he ends well, up, he's a musician. Well, exactly. So maybe he was going for kiss. All right. I don't know. Anyway, he's. Back from the dead, this crow gives him these spiritual powers that doesn't let him die again, and so he's he's out for redemption. He wants to find the T-Birds and kill them one by one by one. Which is literally what he does. Which is literally what he does. You know, he starts off with Tintin, who he finds in an alleyway. He, um, I think he's got a knife that he catches in midair and flings it back at Tintin, and when we see Tintin dead, he's got like eight knives shoved in his gut. And he has a calling card as well, right? So every time he's done killing someone, he shows, you know, an image of a crow. So I think in the first one, was it blood that yep. was around the building? Yeah, it was Tintin's blood. Yeah. So, and, and he, then who's he kill next? He kills the guy in his apartment because he gets all pissy because he's like, you ruined my sheets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember his name, but but he was having sex with some girl and the mom, the yeah, mom, the mom. Oh, it was the mom. Yeah. Of yeah. That's right. And so, yeah, he just like starts staring at them creepily for a few minutes and then they realize, oh, this guy is here. Doesn't yeah. he make a joke like he, I like to watch or something? Doesn't he make? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. one of those moments where he like the humor in it, with it's supposed to bring levity, kind of is like a little makes it a little more uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, it's super creepy. <laughs> like, oh, oh, yeah. Okay, crow. <laughs> yeah, and he he tries to find out. Um, I, I didn't mention it as well. Like he he goes to a pawn shop, Gideon's, and he's trying to get information, more information about what's you know who these guys are and where he can find them and all that. Which Gideon I kind of liked as a character. He was kind of a douchebag pawn. Shop owner type of guy. <laughs> <Big> fan <douchebag. laughs> well, he was just fun, I no, guess. What threw me? Okay, what I love th- the way he dies too. What threw me for a loop 
is when was it Tintin called him a pedophile? Like, was that supposed to like add context to his character being a bad guy? Like, was yeah. was that pawn shop act owner actually doing inappropriate things with children? It made me want him want him dead pretty fast. Yeah, well, I was crap. Now I now I don't want to say I liked him. That's why I feel like I'm bringing him now. Nick Sphinx is like, oh, I love him. I'm like, yeah, he's a pedophile. <laughs> oh crap! That Can't was, wait to talk about this in class. Yeah, that was that was not good. That was not the reference I was trying to go with there. So I do love like um, he, you know, he's about to leave the the crow is, and then he takes that guitar last thing, and then at the end he blows the whole play, place. First, he to loads hell. a shotgun full of gold rings. <laughs> yes, oh, yeah. yes, I loved that. Can't part. forget and that. And then shoots the shotgun full of gold rings at the. Uh, did he pour gasoline everywhere? Yeah, he starts pouring it everywhere. Yeah. Can I mention at this brief moment because this is where we first kind of see him with a lot more dialogue. Do you know of Brandon Lee in other movies? He's he was in uh, Rapid Fire was the movie before this, and that was it. He is a horrible actor. <laughs> like I, it's sad that he died. Like that's that's truly like awful. But he, I feel like he did a horrible job in this movie. I don't think right? so. Like, well, I this... feel like his lines. I mean, he's not giving great dialogue, mm. but he just it's so I don't know. It's cheesy. Like I feel like he's. I mean, it might be because of the makeup too. Like he's always got like this smirk on his face when he's like literally delivering the lines. I hate it. I think that was the character choice. Yeah, th- this bad one, choice. From from my research, I think it was a really big departure from the type of stuff he was doing. He was doing yeah. more living in his dad's shadow kind of stuff. Uh, you know, some kung fu stuff, and I think he was in like yeah, a martial arts yeah. action. Yeah. And so this was a big departure where it was probably really his first time where he was forced to do actual character work. Mm-hmm. And I'd say he failed miserably, the, the, in my opinion. The but. important thing that you're missing is <laughs> his poor performance made it even easier to be stolen by wrestling. <laughs> Fair enough. Overacting yeah. and cheesiness translates right into pro wrestling. Totally. That, that is a good call, actually. Um, all Breck just is at the right place at the wrong, right time because, like, amazingly, the, the pawn shop blows up, and there he is. You know, I think he was getting a hot dog nearby, right? Yeah, he was and, around the corner. Yeah. Hot dog. Grievance, they weren't Coney dogs. Ruins the authentic- uh, authenticity of the call. movie. True. Good call. And so he stops, Eric. He stops the crow, like, right outside of it. And he's talking to him, and he's like, who are you? And he's trying to figure out who it is. And then, like, it's just like a quick, like, glance. And then he's gone. Like, where'd he go? Well, he's supernatural. He's got the powers, man. You see some weird and, stuff. And then Albrecht's also like, shit, I just <laughs> lost this guy. I'm going to go home. This guy dressed like a mind. Like, you see some yeah, weird a things from hell. when you're a beat cop. And I imagine a beat cop in Detroit sees some insane things. Uh, and then you're like, oh, there's this mime that I think just killed a person. And he's like acting really weird. He told me to shoot him. I turned away. The mime is gone. <laughs> I gotta go do the paperwork, yeah. but I like I, this, I'm gonna call this problem solved and move on. I'm gonna, it's either this is gonna come back to bite me, I'm gonna get fired, or I need to take a leave because I'm going crazy because there's a mime killing people. And then what I don't get is then he becomes like friends with them, right? He goes well, from he being cop, he was. whatever. Now he starts helping him murder people. <laughs> the the beat cop is now like, yeah. you know what? I'm gonna join in on this fun. T- to jump yeah. forward, there's a scene where where the crow breaks into the the cop. <laughs> apartment. He yeah. just shows up and, and he's like, in, it's he's cool. in his underwear. Yeah. Yeah. We got Ernie Hudson in his boxers wearing his police cap for no reason. He's got the cap on, which, which the crow says, dude, you still got your hat on. It's like, 
if I were in my home and turned around and saw the murder mime I saw in the streets <laughs> earlier, that'd be it. I would have jumped out the window if I were Ernie Hudson. Yeah. That would have been it for me. And like he's just like, hey man, you can't be in here. Like you know, it was some sort of like dialogue that was like real low key about the murder mime. Yeah, fucking. Kiss runs into my door with his guitar on. I'm going to be like, crap, it's Gene Simmons about to kill me. Yeah. I got to oh, no. get the hell out of He's here. He's here to sue me. I got to go. <laughs> yeah. It was Gene Simmons. He tried to sell you something first. <laughs> Good God. Didn't make any sense, but you know, whatever. You know, Ernie decides that he's going to go rogue and, and he's going to help. He's going to help the crow kill a bunch of people. <laughs> so maybe it makes his job easier down the road because he is, you know, like we said, he keeps going through these other guys. Um, in the end, he does get to everybody, including T-Bird. Um, I don't know. Are there any other important scenes that you guys remember, significant ones that you're like, this was a great scene. Oh, I yeah, love man, it. That, I like it. That Just because I know scene, we're getting pressed for time. The badass shootout scene at the end. Yeah. So he, he walks into this giant meeting that Top Dollar's holding for all of the uh, crime lords, and they're talking about making Devil's Night great again. <laughs> <And> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. now that's a platform I can get behind. That's a I can get behind. Let's me get those hats. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Make night great again. Uh, Let's go have some fun. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then the that Vince McMahon. In. Yeah, all my impressions are Vince McMahon. Yeah. And I was gonna say at that point, Top Dollar releases Toka and Razor, and they go have fun, play. And <laughs> Hey, hey, Ninja Turtles three. <laughs> hey Ernie two, Hudson, two. you're fired. <laughs> Good luck getting a job busting ghosts <laughs> in your underwear and your hat. <laughs> this is really. Let's uh, get off track. Since this man's firing Ghostbusters, the whole show's shot. We gotta start over. Uh, uh, Sphinx is gone. Yeah, I sure am. Damn it, Winston! <laughs> <laughs> I've been slimed. Damn it! <laughs> oh, I feel like Xander on the MC Kids episode. Uh, <laughs> uh, go back and listen to the MC Kids episode of The Legend of Retro. You won't regret it. Nope. Oh boy. All right, so there's a shootout. <laughs> it's a shootout. There's a shootout. Dies. Crime bosses. Uh, you know, okay, it's really cool. Like, what I don't understand is they loaded like a hundred rounds into the crow, and then it's like he he just got up and keep kept doing work, and they kept thinking they could kill him. They all shot him like a hundred. Like it's like twelve dudes are on a table just lighting him up, and like I, I'd run for my life. Yeah, that's the that minute point. I'm done being a tough crime boss. True that. He goes over to the closet of swords that Top Dollar has. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wardrobe. He's like, like, oh, look at all the swords that Top Dollar has. Yeah, I don't know. And then, oh, God. I, I, then they have the big showdown at the church, right? Mm -hmm. So after he just levels everybody, you know, at the, you know, above the the club, the, the you know, the whatever, Helmets playing trash on stage. Club. Yeah. Yeah. It was called the Trash, trash. Club. Yeah. It was, <laughs> that was the sign. That was the yeah, club you're was right. called. It was called Trash. Is there anything more 90s than calling a club trash? <laughs> a grunge club, it's trash. Uh, which the girl is all, you know, thrashy looking too in, in her dress. But yeah, they're at the they're at the cathedral. Um, because they went back to the cemetery. I'm trying to remember why they were back. Oh, because Sarah was asleep. 
Just sleeping, the in, sleeping in the graveyard. Yeah, she like, just sleep in the graveyard. Like whatever. I'm waiting for Eric to come back. All yeah. the kids of, of morphine addict moms sleep in graveyards <laughs> in Michigan. It's commonplace, especially yeah. on Devil's Night. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's totally safe. And that was even after mom decided to clean up her act. Apparently, that lasted for breakfast that she fed her because obviously your daughter is let loose in town on Devil's Night. I like the reference of it's like when did you become mother of the year? Your mom making you breakfast is what qualifies as mother of the year. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Exactly. Go from morphine and banging dudes in like in, in a shady apartment to making eggs for your kid. You're you're at least trending in the right direction. Yes, exactly. So they they Ernie shows up. Ernie, I gotta stop calling him Ernie. He's Sar- nice, Sergeant, Ernie. Sergeant Winston, Albrecht, Ghostbuster Winston Settlemore shows up. He's got a proton pack on. <laughs> And is like, I gotta. He should have taken out the crow with the proton pack. Why didn't I think about this? Didn't have enough streams to cross to take Su- him out. Supernatural yep. and everything. Anyway, he shows up with a gun. <laughs> he's deciding he's gonna finally help the crow out and just start shooting the shit down. Doesn't do a very good job because he's going up the stairs and he gets shot or he gets. Is it shot or stabbed? He gets shot. He, he gets like, shot he, he by takes the like one step up the stairs and gets shot instantly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's like, oh, I screwed up. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> yeah, actually, you're right. I wrote it down. I think I messed up. That's literally yeah. what he said for dialogue. Yeah. I think I messed up. Fantastic. So but, that leaves the crow up there, which I guess we're, we are missing one important plot point, if you can say there's one, and that is they the um, top gun, top, top dog, dollar, top dollar, whatever, top dollar, top sister. cat. It's <laughs> top cat, the cartoon <laughs> character. <laughs> Shit, this episode went to hell quick. Top Gun ends up... Top Dollar. No, it's still wrong. It's top Dollar. No, it's, it's Top, top dollar, dollar. right? Top Dollar's... I thought it was girlfriend. You know, we find out it's, it's sister the sister. Who he's sleeping with. Yeah, just gross. And then they're burning people's eyes for fun, apparently. <laughs> they they find out that it is the crow, the bird itself, that's giving him the power. So they realize if we take the crow away from him... If you kill the crow, you kill the crow, then he won't have this, you know, like rejuvenated power that keeps him alive. But then I don't get it. They don't kill the crow, but he loses the power anyway. Remember, like they try to sniper sniper rifle the crow, shot, but it doesn't die. No, it's hurt though at that point. So why does that mean? Like if they literally said before that the crow needed to die. You're questioning the supernatural powers of this movie. (laughs) Yeah, it's like kind of just just let it ride. This movie that was hacked and rewritten out of tragedy. You're like, well, this doesn't make sense. They couldn't shoehorn this to my liking. (laughs) Let's let's just let that slide. That's exactly right. Um. You know, he, he fight on the roof. Yeah, they fight on the roof. Sarah's Eventually. being held hostage by Top Dollar. Um, it looks Crow gets his ass kicked, and at the last moment, um, you know, Top Dollar says something that pisses Crow off, and then he grabs his hands onto Top Dollar's head, and he shares memories with him of his fiance dying, and that power somehow knocks him off the roof and then gets stabbed through one of those they're called gargoyles thank you gargoyles it's a disney type ending sure. yeah and then he's dead yep and then and then the crow dies crow goes back into his grave yeah and and we're done and that's it yeah the movie just kind of ends at that point it sure i mean does. what it, oh sarah said oh it stops raining that's a big theme of the movie is, oh god it just rains throughout the whole damn movie it, eric says it can't rain all the time and then he dies <laughs> and everything's you know i guess a happy ending and it stops raining yeah exactly 
Mm-hmm. And there it is. <laughs> I, I think people that have been listening to this are like, what the fuck is this movie about? So, so the, res- <laughs> the resolution, some of the plot points of this movie were supposed to be really different. And I don't know if it was because of the way they had to reshoot. Um, but there was originally supposed to be a character that they shot scenes for and everything was eliminated from the movie who was supposed to be the crow's guide on Earth and explain the rules of being the crow. Mm. Um, this is something I found in research. So if someone's listening to this and go, this isn't true at all. Well, whatever my research I was lied to me. Um, but the, the footage that they, the clips they showed look convincing of this footage that got cut from the movie where there was supposed to be a guy that was basically supposed to explain to him that he is in the, he's brought back into the world to seek revenge and seek revenge only. If he alters lives, other lives in other ways, he won't be able to cross through into the afterlife to be with his fiance. And mm. so when he saves the little girl from being hit by the car, and when he pulls the heroin out of the mom's arms, those were two actions he took that affected the real world. And then he would have to have consequences for not being able to pass through the afterlife. That's what, you know, like I said, one of my points of research pointed that. And that made those scenes mean a lot more. If there was a, a eventually a climax or a resolution in this movie where he <clears throat> sacrificed being able to cross over to the other side to do good in the world, it actually, to me, would have been a better movie. I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it definitely feels like throughout this film, like you just said, that there are missing pieces to it that would have given it a little bit better flow. And I think that's one of my other issues with this movie is besides the poor acting of, of Brandon Lee, the crow, is it just, <clears throat> I don't know, like it, it should have been a more emotional movie because he's trying to, you know, redeem this, this murder that happened to him and, and his own death. And I just, I didn't. I didn't feel any emotion watching this. Like I didn't, I just didn't feel any of it. I don't know. And and maybe if those scenes were in there, you would have had a little bit more sympathy for that character and it would have done a little bit more for me. I don't know. You have a very inquisitive look on your face, LPJ. No, I'm just thinking about your point. Um, I mean, did you feel like emotionally this movie got to you or, or no? Well, I don't know necessarily that, but who would he have shared the emotion with? He was barely with anybody in the movie. You don't have to share emotion to convey emotion in, in a film. But they oh, could, I, I mean, and, and maybe that was one of the issues with, with his death, because maybe they could have done more scenes that that kind of led to a little bit more of an intro to the film about how deeply in love they were and and a, re, a little bit deeper relationship. It just kind of like happened. Like you just had to automatically assume that they loved each other. So you're right. Like th- it lost that luster there too. They, I guess. they showed plenty of flashbacks of them smiling yeah. and having fun and seeming like they were a, a young couple in love. I mean, see, I felt like most of the flashbacks was her getting raped and attacked by each no, of the guys. No, there was other there was other stuff in there, there too. There was a, there was like enough to set up the was, context. Yeah, when she was when he was sitting there um, putting on her makeup, he. Uh, Oh, don't yeah, they, don't they have sex one time in one of the flashbacks too, or something? Yeah, I feel like we saw boob at one point. I don't know if that happened. It wasn't hers. Yeah. It was the dead girl. The dead girl. Yeah, remember? Top dollar and his sister. <laughs> oh, it was the sister's boob. You're, you're right. right. She was in the shower. The yeah. weird open shower. <laughs> Why was his sister Asian? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I, I don't understand that part. <laughs> Let's just hope they were adopted what? for the sake of, you know. Why was she a sister? I don't know. <laughs> Why uh, did he have a closet full of swords? <laughs> don't you? Because he's got an Asian sister, so he's required to have a closet full of swords. Oh, boy. And, and I'm the racist one? <laughs> Listen here, LPJ. Movie. Have you taken over now? I didn't write the movie. <laughs> don't tell me <laughs> oh lord Can, are we ready to rate this I, lo- I, I what do you guys think, think we're ready to rate <laughs> i've this? been ready 
Uh, uh oh. Uh oh. Oh, I Good God. You cannot oh. do this, hey, man. I'm going to make it's you late. a soundboard. I'm going to make late. you a soundboard and teach you how to use it. It's late. All right. <laughs> so, so Deadite, we, we usually leave um, it up to our guest if they would like to give their ranking first or if they want to pass it off. So again, we are out of five machine guns. So you can do, do you want to go? Guns as well. And you can do half. So do you want to go first, or would you like to have one of us go first? I'd like one of you guys to go first. Okay. Usually that results in me, because for whatever reason, you always like to be last. I, I, no, I'd, I'd like first. LBJ to be FPJ, first place Jason today. <laughs> All right. There you That's go. how my son refers to him to himself. First place Asher, FPA. I like that. Yeah, just because he likes to Aww. just turn the knife. That's, That's it. <laughs> That's Isn't that why you have children? <laughs> is to just keep, keep your self esteem in check? You say that now. Wait till you have kids. Oh, I listen. My self, my self esteem is rock bottom. Oh. I've seen the way my sister treats my dad, and I go, Ugh, it's all downhill for me. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> All right, well, first place, Jay, you go. Well, this is, you know, this is one of those movies that hit me at the right time. I love this movie. Um, It's definitely got its flaws, though. Um, I'm going to give it a three and a half. I do think you should watch the movie, but if you don't like it, I can absolutely understand why. Um, But I enjoy it. I mean, I love all the action in it. I don't think Brandon Lee did a bad job. Uh, I really wish he would have stayed alive so we could have seen more after this. And he, he was signed on to do two direct sequels. Yeah, yeah, the the next two, yeah. And, and we didn't actually bring that up. There's a ton of sequels to those. And a TV show. Yeah. And, a really yeah. bad video game. Yep. Yeah. Actually, I think the TV show was probably not very good, too. <laughs> I, <imagine. laughs> I think all of it was bad. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to give it a three and a half. I really enjoyed this movie, and I think, I think you should, people should take the time to watch it. I could not disagree more. I hated this movie. Like, beginning to end, this movie did not do a damn thing for me. I hated the acting. I hated the way it got executed. I hated really all of it. Like, I I, I couldn't stand it. I, I think it absolutely hit me at the wrong time. I am giving this my worst rating so far. What? I'm giving this guy one and a half machine guns. I the only redeeming quality is Ernie Hudson. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I actually think that is it. There is nothing else about this movie that I liked whatsoever. Well, now it you was can't be excited about the pedophile character. So, you know what? <laughs> that's right. Now I can't be happy about the pedophile character anymore. I really don't like. I'm this kicking movie. this up to a four because he hated it so much. And you know what? I'm going to knock it down another half. This sucker gets a one. one. This is a one. I do not recommend this movie to anybody. I don't recommend this movie to my biggest villain in my life. Which I don't know who that is. It you, actually might be the person staring right at me. You, you, you wouldn't even recommend this to an angsty goth kid? No. Mm. It's that dumb. I'd give him some other movie to do. That's <laughs> angstier and gothier? I don't think there is one. But I, there's got to be something. I don't know. I, it's, just, it's just a bunch of Nine Inch Nails videos. Yeah, not even, <laughs> not even Underworld is as angsty as this. I... Uh, no. I hate this movie. I will never watch it again. I don't want to see it again. I don't want it referenced again on the show. I hated it, man. Uh, like, uh, I hated it more than G.I. Joe the movie. Wow. Yeah, I'd rather watch G.I. Joe the movie. Have you seen Transformers The Last Night? No. Okay. I'd, li- I'd like to hear a conversation about that in the future. <laughs> I made it 20 minutes in. Uh, and then I had to stop. 
<laughs> LPJ, I'm looking forward to the invite a year from now to do Crow Salvation. <laughs> oh, every year we just do a Crow oh. episode for, for Halloween until oh, we run out of Crow good. movies. That, that gives us a near oh, half decade. No, and then we, no, we could do like the, the, the TV show. We'll just yeah. take like a couple episodes at yeah, a time. Yeah, I like where this is going. Don't do this to me. <laughs> do not do this to me. So, so. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, to steal the thunder there. But, no, no. But that, trust uh, me, you're, I can make last. my own thunder. I, <laughs> when it comes to saying ridiculous things about ridiculous things, <laughs> I can do it. So, <laughs> movies to me are about the, the the number one thing they're about to me is moments. I can get past bad acting. I can get past story that doesn't make sense. If you have moments that I remember and enjoy viewing, I like I like good scenes. And this movie's chock full of them. Every death what? scene, every death scene is f- no. a fun experience. It, they're they're all individually different. They play into the the character flaws of the villains and and aspects of their you know their personalities. And it, I'm just th- just our whole conversation. I'm thinking back to. A movie that's fresh in my mind going man I, I like that scene where he blew up the car with with t-burn in it and i i liked when he caught the knife and i like when the pawn shopkeeper shot him through the hand you know i i liked the awkward scene with them in the little apartment in the bedroom i i liked him creeping up on ernie hudson in his apartment <laughs> i like the sword you know the sword fights and i like the the big shoot up i actually didn't like the climax scene of them on the church that much but a lot of those other moments are moments that now that i've seen the movie a couple times in my life 10 years down the road i'm still going to remember a few sequences from this movie and because of that i'm fine going going to give this um three stars Three stars. Okay. I, I think I, you know if you're. I think it's an, a fine movie to watch one time in your life. I've seen it too, which means I've probably seen it too much now. But it's one of those <laughs> things. If it's on TV, watch it. I don't necessarily know you need to go out of your way to make this a movie you need to watch. But if you're flipping through the channels that it's on, pause on it for a few minutes and see if you enjoy it. That's that's the way I look at it. It's a good cable movie. Just watch it if it's on TV. And, and when you're <clears throat> when you're watching it on TBS for five minutes, you're gonna be like, "This is a hot ton of garbage." Move on. <laughs> Can I ask you, uh, what did Al think about it? Uh, she said it didn't make any sense. She kept asking why everything was happening. Um, she kept kind of looking at me like, this is kind of dumb. I was I was kind of thinking, like, maybe we should turn this on and just watch wrestling. You know, like, I thought I had an opportunity to just watch old Sting matches from 1998. Um, the fact and- that you think you could have pulled that off. Helps prove my point that this movie sucks. Yeah, but you have no idea how often, like, thing, you know, like, just daily life is happening. I'm like, but what about wrestling from the 90s? And it just happens <laughs> at my house. Uh, any chance I get, I can shoehorn it in. Uh, she falls asleep during, during almost anything and totally passed out. And as soon as the movie was done, I had my Switch booted up playing those NES online games because she was out for another hour. Um, so, she, yeah, she, mm-hmm. I, I, she may have been awake all the way up until the scene where they wrecked the car, the T-Bird car. So... Got it. But she she wasn't into it. She, she'd probably give it a one with you. She didn't like it at all. <laughs> Do you know Mrs. LPJ is she? She would have hated this? this. Okay. Yeah, I don't think she's seen it, but I'm sure she would hate Just it. Just curious. Yeah, my wife would have been nowhere near this movie Yeah. at all. But, yeah. Well, I liked it, and that's what matters. No, it's not what matters at all, actually. <clears throat> it actually has little to matter. So, so I, I would say that LPJ's... Uh, Affinity for this movie means out of the three of us, he's the most likely to be a gothic <laughs> heroin addict. So. <laughs> so when we record next and I see him dressed up as Sting, I know what has happened. Man, next year for the Halloween episode, we're both coming in full Sting Crow f- makeup. No, no. He's not going to see the bats. Oh. Dead, Deadite, there is no next time we, this happens. We are doing a... 
we're gonna <clears throat> I, I can't promise this but i want to do a patreon exclusive show where we make sphinx watch important sting matches <laughs> <laughs> like we're, i'm talking i'm talking like the the cage of horrors match okay. where they have to throw someone in an electric chair to win <laughs> i'm talking about a war games match uh, like wcw versus nwo like we're gonna watch some some key sting matches and we're gonna get him to do commentary for i'm it. okay with that yeah. you know what it would be entertaining i i would be all for it if you can get those uh those patrons to, uh, those page dang it i did what you did but if we can get those guys to want to do it <laughs> sure <guys. laughs> hire me on I'll, I'll watch some classic 90s sting put per people in an electric chair Yep. Yeah. Is that right? Oh. A cage of yeah. horrors match. Oh, <laughs> all right. <then. laughs> I like it. Because I was already in a cage of horrors watching this movie. So you know, they're all. I can relate. <gasps> we got to make them watch the match where a famous movie character comes to save Sting, and I don't want to tell Sphinx <laughs> what it is. <laughs> oh, God. LPJ doesn't know, though. I can't think of who it is. <laughs> well, we're going to have to save it, I guess. You're for this. Save all right, it. we'll oh. save it. We'll, we'll make this happen. This is just confirming it. We'll make it happen. Yeah. All right. Let's do some further business, though. Yeah, so, so with our guest, though, who is on a show, would you like to discuss yeah, or this, plug? This is your time. Plug whatever you want. Yeah. If you like the brand of ridiculousness that I contributed <laughs> to this episode of the Last Action Podcast, I wreaked the same amount of derailment and mayhem every single Monday live twitch.tv slash GameZilla Media on the GameZilla Podcast. It releases iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, everywhere you get this podcast. Uh, on Tuesdays, we talk uh, gaming news. We talk about our lives as video game players, and we do it every single week. So if you had fun with me and you like video games, GameZilla. Absolutely. We also have The Legend of Retro with uh, Craig WK, Xander, and Chops that are looking at... And The Glitch. Sometimes. And The Glitch, yeah. That are uh, looking at old classic retro video games. We also have Noobs and Dragons, uh, which is our Dungeons and Dragons podcast that's going on. I think it's starting to wind down, isn't it? Like, no. No? They're, they're like halfway. Really? Yeah, that's man. It, keeps, insane, get, it man. keeps getting longer and longer. I mean, but it keeps getting more and more intense, so I'm. it's got me hooked. Uh, we do have our new movie podcast, Movie Blast, with um, Bob and Baxter, which has been a, a, a great start to what's going on. Did I do some Bob and Bax? Bob and Bax. Sorry, I didn't mean to throw Baxter. <laughs> you use a that. government name on us. <laughs> I apologize, Bax. Um, so we've got that out there now, and we've got plenty of blogs for you to check out. We've got our streamers, which includes Deadite, um, that is out there on Twitch. We I'm really enjoying your uh, Fire Pro Wrestling. Good. I love the game. It's great. There you go. We've got Craig WK doing some uh, long plays. There is a bunch that you can do with GameZilla Media. And if you are really feeling inclined and, and you really want to help us out and support us further, we urge you to please go on to patreon.com slash gamezilla um if you'd like to gamezilla media gamezilla media very oops, sorry sorry don't want to give the wrong link they could be contributing to some other mystery gamezilla then. that's true but oh, that, we should fight them <laughs> yeah i'm gonna set that up so i can get that side cash <laughs> <laughs> wet my beak a little bit there we go wet my beak <laughs> i don't know I, I, I wanted to move on and we really need to end this but if you would like to continue to support our crazy 
things that we do throughout <laughs> this, is, this, this is officially media the podcast network. I'm glad we we need to end this. Why don't you draw this I'm out some more? Tired. Space. I'm I'm you know I'm trying to do the business. You know you got you got you got to pay the bills. That's exactly right. <laughs> got to keep the lights on. So nonetheless, thank you so much for listening to us t- today, Deadite. Thank you so much for being a guest today. We thoroughly enjoyed it. I look forward to ruining another episode for you in the future. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for next Halloween. <laughs> and no, it cannot be Crow in any way, shape, or form. I refuse. But this last action podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry, I thought about we're going to tell you we're doing a different movie, and I'm going to show up, and we're going to talk about the Crow sequel instead. Yes, and then we're going to do it live. We're going to have it playing on the TV here. <laughs> what the hell am I going to do the whole time? Just be here. You'd be a captive, captive audience. <laughs> yeah. That sounds great. Uh, this last action podcast has finally been terminated. But we'll be back with the Crow 2. <laughs>